I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, I just want to hear some fluent French. So can you tell me how you found the Love Letters podcast and how you listened to it? Ah, I'm so nervous. <laughs> Alors, euh, je m'appelle Anna, je viens de Mexique, je suis à Paris. Et euh, j'ai trouvé Love Letters parce que... Ben, en fait, je me souviens plus comme j'ai trouvé Love, Let Love Letters. Mais euh, c'est un podcast que j'entends toujours, je l'aime beaucoup. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it's awesome. <laughs> From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. when big changes happen in my life, I move straight into one of my favorite coping mechanisms. Denial. Like when friends move in with their partners or they get married, I tell myself everything will be the same. We're still going to have our movie nights and our three-hour phone calls, and we will talk every day. But it's not the same. It is different. Another example, when I turned 40, I thought, Age is just a number. This will be just like my 30s. But it has not been the same. In many good ways, I should add. Today's story is about the reality of change and the acceptance it requires. Anna, who you heard from at the start of the episode, is in fact a Love Letters podcast listener. Anna is not her real name, by the way, but that's just what we'll call her. She reached out when we asked for stories of big change— and I loved what she told me. Her tale of romance and family and the real consequences of making a massive change. It takes place in three countries, three languages, and involves one very romantic city. Hi, my name is Anna. I'm 31 years old and I'm in Paris right now. Anna's story begins not on the cobblestone streets of Paris, but an ocean away in a small town in Mexico. Basically, when I was young, I was the oddball of my family. I'm the youngest of three. And so I was always the artsy one, the one that was always in touch with her feelings, a little too much, I would say. The dramatic one, they would say, if you would ask them. Tell me about the town. It's a border city, 
So we're right next to the U.S. So I would go to school every day in the U.S. and come back to Mexico. So every morning we would just have to wake up a lot earlier than usual, like than our American friends. We would wake up around 6, maybe 5.30, depending on, on the lines. Sometimes I would even cross twice or three times per day, depending if I had dance class or soccer or things like that. When Anna was a kid, she imagined herself fitting into that traditional life she saw all around her. I always imagined myself getting married young, having tons of kids at a young age, and just being a housewife, but not in a like not in that sense. Like I always saw my mom working all the time. So she was a good example for me. She always worked uh, part-time. So I kind of saw myself just having an easy job, taking care of the kids and of my husband and being at home, basically. As you got older, where did you think you might live your adult life? I really loved Mexico, and so I always thought that I would stay in Mexico. I never thought about going out elsewhere. When she's about 12 years old, Ana gets her first taste of life outside of Mexico and the U.S. It was my sister's birthday, and my grandma decided to take her to Paris. And I wanted to go as well because I wanted to do everything that my sister did when, when we were little. So she took me with, and we did Paris. We, we were maybe here for a week. I was very confused because it was a different language. It was my first interaction with a different language. It was my first interaction with um, foreign foods that weren't from the U.S. or from Mexico. I was very confused, and I didn't really like it. <laughs> Fast forward 10 years. Anna's now in her early 20s, studying fine arts at a college in Mexico. She wants to study abroad, but isn't sure where. And that's when a friend says to her, hey, what if we went to Paris together? Anna says, sure, why not? I can study photography there. It doesn't take long in Paris before Anna realizes this is not the city she remembers. Everything that I hated before, 10 years before, was everything that I fell in love with. So I loved going to museums. I loved tasting different foods. Uh, the escargots were now like so, so delicious. I loved uh, meeting so many people from different paths. And everyone was super different. Uh, everyone was super edgy. Everyone had different goals in life. It wasn't like in Mexico that everyone has the same goal. Everyone wants to dress the same. It was more, uh, everyone was being themselves. And it kind of inspired me also to, to want to be myself and to find who that self was. Her time in Paris, it affirms this desire inside her to think bigger, to see what else is out there. She wants more big, grand life experiences before settling down in Mexico. So I had a little itch already because I decided to break up with my boyfriend at the time. I wanted to explore, I wanted to be out there. I was dating guys who had a Vespa and I felt like I was in the Lizzie McGuire show. It was so funny. <laughs> it was for me kind of like freedom. I need to ask you an old person question. Did Lizzie McGuire date somebody on a Vespa? Did she have a Vespa? <laughs> she dated someone on a Vespa. Lizzie McGuire dated Paolo. And Paolo had a Vespa, and he showed her around all of Italy. <laughs> okay, like, I know who Lizzie McGuire is, but I don't think I knew the ins and outs of exactly the love life. Of, so, okay, thank you. That was, that was important. Anna spends her six-month stay in Paris 
leaning into her new sense of freedom. I have so many anecdotes from that trip. I accidentally ended up in jail, for example. Wait, what? We were at a creperie, so so typical, and we paid the guy 50 euros to buy two crepes, and he never gave us back our money, and he never gave us the crepes. And so I called the police on him, and they took me thinking that I was stealing the crepes. I don't know if Lizzie McGuire ever got thrown in jail for stealing crepes, but that feels very Disney plot point to me. I still don't get it to this day, but I was in jail for one night. And so many things like this that I was, I managed to get myself out of jail. I managed to date a beautiful DJ guy. I managed to, uh, so many things that were going on, I explored so much. But Paris can't last forever. When Anna's program comes to an end in December of 2013, she comes back home. That's when she realizes that the place she loves, Mexico, is still wonderful and familiar and full of people she knows and cares about. But she has changed. Home, it doesn't feel the same. My parents didn't know what to do with me. I was actually diagnosed as clinically depressed after my trip to Paris because I think I lived this sort of freedom. And I really realized that I wasn't where I was supposed to be. I was in my city, but I didn't really connect with the people that I was going out with. In Mexico, you go out to nightclubs, and it wasn't really my scene. I was more of a bar, talking to people, getting to know friends, kind of like a smaller uh, group. I started telling everyone, I'm going to move to Paris. I, I need to move back to Paris. I just need to find a way. I just need to finish school, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it happen. And my parents would laugh all the time because I would literally meet anyone that, like, would talk to me about, like, what do you want to do with your life? And it's the first thing that I would blurt out. Anna finishes school back at home and works for some art galleries. During this time, she meets a guy, and they get serious. But she never stops thinking about Paris. You know, there's a lot of art fairs, and I would always try to convince my boss, like, let's go to Paris, let's do an art fair there. I was convinced. And so there came a time I was working, and I... I reached my, the end of my, of my job. And so I quit. And at that mo moment, my parents asked me, what do you, you want to do with your life? And I told them, well, I'm going to Paris, obviously. Anna is determined to make good on her word. She starts looking for master's programs that could bring her back to Paris. She finds an art-related master's program that's perfect. So she returns to Paris in 2017, the guy back home is understanding and willing to wait. He was so supportive of me going to Paris. He knew it was my dream. And so, no, I had no idea that I was going to stay. I really thought it was just going to be one year, and then I would go back to Mexico and carry on with my life. So then what happens? So I arrived here in September 2017, and... Uh, Come December, I started going out a lot with my friends, making a lot of friends. So I was busy most of the time. And I started having less time to speak on the phone with my boyfriend in Mexico. And I guess uh, we just drifted. It was harder to, to keep in touch. And so in February of 2018, I decided to break up. It wasn't easy, but at the moment, I thought that it was the best decision. At the moment, I was living with a friend from Mexico, 
And she kept telling me about her adventures on Bumble, on Tinder. And every time she would come home, I would love speaking to her because she had these crazy stories about learning French with guys that she met on Tinder or on Bumble. And so when I broke up, she told me, you really have to download these apps. You're going to have a lot of fun. This is what you need right now. Anna isn't sure about this, but her friend insists and even creates a profile for her. She added all the pictures. She chose all the good ones. <laughs> she wrote my description and everything. And the first guy I meet is Maxime. Maxime, that's what we'll call him here. His profile picture shows him in a small record store with a thumbs up. His other photos show that he loves to travel, a passion Anna shares. And he had a picture with kids, of course. Of course. <laughs> it's important to add that picture. Usually it's like captured like best uncle ever. Exactly. Like it's important to have the kids picture because you can tell that he's he likes having spending time with kids. You kind of project your life with him saying, Oh wow, he loves kids. Right. That's so like cute. Like he's probably not gonna do murder. And he's probably a nice yeah. guy. Exactly. And it was so cute. So that's why I swiped right. Tell me about the first date. He invited me to this bar that was near my house. And I go walking. I put on tons of perfume because I was so nervous. And I was so nervous that I, I, that I was smelling too much. So that's why I decided to walk there. And I arrived there 10 minutes early because I was so nervous. And I arrive and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And I realize that he's late. And this is something that I would realize after that he's always late. Like it's a, it's a trait. He walked in and I was just, I couldn't believe it. I knew it was him. I knew it was the guy. Like, that was my guy. It was definitely his, his kind eyes. And uh, he was super, super tall. And my favorite person in the world was my grandfather. And he was super tall. And so I think it was that. I think it was the tallness and the kind eyes. They share a lot in common. Maxime is around Anna's age. He has an office job. Like Anna, he's recently left a serious relationship. In fact, he'd made a pact with his roommates that he wasn't going to find another girlfriend right away, that he would be single for a while. It was a very funny first date because I'm fit. He kept asking me questions. And I kept talking because I was so nervous. When I get nervous, I talk a lot. And I would realize after that it was because he didn't speak English. So he was trying to ask as many questions as possible so that I wouldn't realize that his, uh, his English was bad. At the end, I, I asked for him to walk me home. And we were nonstop laughing because I told him the story about the creperie and the jail. He couldn't believe the story, and so we kept laughing the whole way uh, back to my house. And he dropped me off. He didn't try to kiss me. He didn't try to come up. And I thought that was really cute. That first date leads to more. And it doesn't take long for Anna to be serious about Maxime. But he's cautious. After checking out Anna's Instagram, Maxime figures out that she's recently out of a relationship, too. He thinks they should both take it slow. They meet in March of 2018. But it's not until she finishes her program that June that they decide to really be together. At this point, Anna is due to return to Mexico— she applies to an internship in Paris, partly because it's good for her career, but also because it'll allow her to stay. The only problem, she doesn't have a place to live in Paris anymore. Maxime wants to help. 
And so he tells me, why don't you come live with me? It, it could be temporary. Don't feel pressured. And I ended up staying to live with him. So, yeah, six months later, we were living together. For the record, Anna's parents think she's living with a friend. They know she's dating Maxime, but they're traditional, and you do not live with someone until you're married. And he got to show you around Paris, I'm sure, right? Like, as somebody who knows it a little bit better, what was it like to see Paris living with him? Yeah, so the thing about Paris is that I really believe that each person has their own version of what Paris is. I call it my Paris, like your Paris. He showed me the whole jazz scene. We went to a bunch of jazz concerts together. We went to exhibitions together. I showed him my Paris. During those dates, I really kept falling more and more in love with him. For example, I clearly remember one time he took me to this park that has a view over the, all of Paris, the Parc de, Belleville, de Belleville. And we saw the sunset there and he was hugging me. And I really, really said to myself at that moment, I think I'm falling in love. Before she knows it, Anna is building a life in Paris with Maxime. But bigger questions are soon on the table. Like, what about Mexico? What about the part of her that still assumes she'll be back in her hometown with her family? Anna loves the way her life has changed and these new experiences in Paris with Maxime. But she doesn't want to give up everything she's known. Is it possible to have it all? Her story continues after the break. Okay, we're back. So Anna has fallen in love with Maxime. They're living in Paris together. It is all very dreamy. We started talking about marriage maybe one year after we had met. And I kept telling him that I was ready and that I thought that we should really start thinking about where this relationship is going because I had my life back in Mexico and I really thought that I was going to go back at some point. And so we really needed to start thinking like, was this going to be a long distance relationship or should we just stop the relationship or should we continue? And if we would continue, that would mean marriage because in my family, we are very traditional. And I knew that my parents were going to insist for me to get married at some point. Anna feels ready for marriage. She's like, we love each other. We want to be together. Let's do this. It's Maxime who thinks they should move more slowly. Remember, he was the one who wanted to wait before committing to each other when they first started dating because they were both fresh out of relationships. Now he's telling her, listen, marriage would be great, but do you realize what it would really mean? He told me that it was very important for me to take my time because it meant a lot for me to get married. It meant that I would have to leave my, my home country. It meant that I would have to leave my own language, my culture, and everything. And I thought the contrary. I thought that I was 100% ready. I really wasn't thinking about everything that marriage entailed. I just knew that I wanted to be with him for the rest of my days.
One day, uh, he decided to take me on a trip, on a weekend trip. And so I didn't know where we were going. He told me we have to run to Gare du Nord because we're already late. That's one of the big train stations in Paris. And we go running to Gare du Nord, we arrive, and the train had left. So I was like, but tell me where we're going. And he's like, no, we missed the train. What am I going to do? And so he's like, I know, we're going to get a taxi. I was like, you're crazy. Where are we going? Like, we get the cab. We arrive to Chantilly, which is a town nearby. Beautiful. It has a castle. Uh, it's very romantic. And voila, we arrived to the hotel. It was a super fancy hotel. So by this time, I knew that it was probably going to be the, the proposal. I, he told me, let's go for a walk. And... I told him, should I put on makeup? Should I get ready? And he's like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Like, just come like as you are. So we go walking. And as we're walking through like this, there was a beautiful scene, like beautiful landscape. And he's like, so I have this question that I want to ask you. And I was like, yeah, tell me. I was like, (laughs) trying not to seem eager. And he's like, what do you think we should have for dinner? And I was like, stop. Like, he was making fun of me 100%. He knew that, I knew that the question was coming. And so finally he told me, like, you know, I want this to be uh, us agreeing to get married. Um, What do you think about us getting married? And and I was like, of course, yes. Uh, He gave me a a fake ring because uh, the actual ring wasn't ready at the time. And it was this really cute mother of pearl ring And so, voila, I was super happy. Ana calls her family in Mexico. She's a little worried about what they'll say, because marrying Maxime means she'll be living in Paris, at least for now. By the way, they still think she's living with a friend at this point. But her parents are thrilled about the engagement, which is a relief. Then, Ana calls her sister. This is something that really... um, kind of took me aback. I call my sister and I tell her, whoa, I'm getting married, I'm so excited. And she's like, you know what this means, right? And I'm like, what does this mean? And she's like, you know you're going to miss out on all the birthday parties, you're going to miss out on all the important dates, you're not going to be here for any of that. And at the moment, really, I was uh, I was like, yeah, but I'm going to make my life here, like, it's, it doesn't matter, like, I'll visit uh, in Christmas, like, I will find time to visit. At the time when she told you that, did you believe her? Did you, did it really sink in as she was telling you? Well, I just didn't understand why she would tell me that I'm going to miss all the birthdays when I was telling her that I had found the love of my life. Like, you can't put those two things on a scale. So yeah, when she told me that, I thought it was a little selfish of her to tell me that I was going to miss her kids' birthdays. Anna gets it, but she thinks... This is doable. She can visit home and stay connected. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. I mean, this proposal was in 2019, so I had no idea that COVID was ever going to exist. And during the time, I would go back home once or twice a year. It was very comfortable. My family would come also once or twice a year. So I never really saw the distance. Like, I really did not see the distance ever because we would find ways to communicate or to see each other. And yeah, and then COVID hit, so that everything changed. They have a small civil marriage in Paris in February 2020, three weeks before everything shuts down. All the borders started closing. 
And we were living, at the time we were living in a 35 square meter apartment, so not very big for the two of us. We had no direct sunlight. And so the only direct sunlight was through the toilet. And so we would both sit in the toilet uh, receiving sunlight. <laughs> it was very funny. I was super nervous that my family would get COVID. I was uh, very anxious that we would get it. Um, I had never been in a in a hospital in in France, and I was scared because I, since I didn't speak French, I was scared to be in that position where I would have to go to the hospital by myself. But at the same time, we were celebrating our our marriage, so it was a bittersweet moment. It completely changed the way I see my marriage now. It's in 2020 that Anna learns what kind of change marriage really is. If you're in lockdown in Paris, you can't just hop over to Mexico. Where you live is where you live. They'd planned a big second wedding celebration with family for October 2020, but that's off now. She's just away. Also, the language thing, not speaking French, it starts to feel like a real issue. I thought that I would be able to continue on just speaking uh, English and Spanish. But when COVID hit, I ended my contract where I was working. And so I was at this moment where I was looking for a job. And I realized that to get a job, I had to learn French. It wasn't in my plans to learn French. I was in a very comfortable spot. All my friends speak Spanish and English as well. And so I never felt the need. Maxime tells Anna that if the language barrier is too much... They can always move to Spain. But she says, no, I want to do this. How did you start the learning process? Summer 2020, um, things started slowly opening up again. And they were giving these classes at the park. It was an association. And there was also a lot of refugees that were going to these classes. um, And so it was really fun. I got to know a lot of refugees. I got to know their stories. And it also... During COVID, I was questioning everything. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so hard. I'm now in a different country. And then you hear their stories and it opens you up and you realize that your story is nothing in comparison to their stories and that you're okay. By 2021, Anna feels fluent in French. It is a big milestone for her. But by this time, she has, in fact, missed birthdays back in Mexico, She's actually missed a lot of things since getting married. Her sister wasn't wrong. With friends, it's really hard to keep in touch. And the hardest for me, I think, is being far away from my siblings. Seeing the kids grow, my nephews and my nieces, that's quite hard. And also going back home and see the people aging. Like my grandma, she's so beautiful. She's so alive. Like she comes to Paris. She visits me often and stuff. But I do every time I visit. I see the aging, and I think that worries me a lot because I want to be there for them. I want to listen to their story. I want to be there in their day-to-day. And I know that I can't. There are these small things that make Anna feel French when she's in Mexico. Her priorities have changed, and it can make it hard to connect. One time, my brother-in-law even asked me, like, do you think you've changed since you moved to Paris? And I said, absolutely not. I'm still the same person. And my sister looks at me and she's like, are you kidding? You've completely changed. One time I was uh, at her house and I had just finished a bottle of beer. And so I grabbed the bottle of beer and I tell her, where should I put this? And she looks at me and she's like, 
are you fucking kidding me? Throw it in the trash. And I was like, I'm sorry. And she's like, now you recycle. And my dad's like, that's for hippies. Recycling is for hippies. Like, there's just not a culture of recycling in Mexico, in the place where I live. And they just think it's so funny, like, how I've completely become this, like, eco-friendly person and, like, worried for the environment. Like, they find it so, so strange, like, that I wear less makeup, that I maybe don't wear dresses anymore. It's just something that every time I, I go to Mexico, I get grilled for. My siblings have never visited me. My sister came only for a stopover uh, in Paris to meet Maxime, but it was just for one night. And my brother has never come. It's really hard because I want them to see my Paris and I want them to see, you know, I've, I've come a long way and I feel like there's a big side that they don't know. For example, I don't think they really know that I'm fluent in French, which is weird because it's part of my life. I don't know, it's strange. I feel like they, there's a lot of things that they don't really see. They just continue to communicate with me about things going on in Mexico, but I don't think they know what happens in my every, everyday life. Even though it can be really hard, she embraces the benefits and beauty she's found through this distance from her family. Like the biggest change that I that I really would say is when I was in Mexico, I really had a rocky relationship with my mom since I was a teenager. <laughs> since I moved to Paris, it was it's actually been the best relationship that I've had. We speak almost every day. We agree on most things. We can spend hours every day, even if we spoke the day before. Seriously, she became my best friend. And it's so great because she's such a great person and I had never seen it before. So I'm super grateful for that. Anna says that after accepting what change brings, she has so much more empathy for her sister's initial reaction to her moving to Paris. It was really just a reality check, an honest moment of saying, hey, Anna, things are going to be different, and let's take a beat to honor that. Anna says it was also her sister who encouraged her to be real with people about what her life in Paris was and what it wasn't. One of the times that I went back, I think it was I had recently gotten engaged and I went back to Mexico and we were going to this party and I and I told her like I always get nervous when I go to parties and see old friends that I'm not so close to because they always tell me the same thing and she's like what do they tell you and I'm like they tell me uh oh you think you're the hot shit because you're in Paris now and you probably have this glamorous life and you have this glamorous uh, boy French boyfriend and 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 she told me like but have you told them that you don't even own a microwave or an oven or just basic necessities? Like, have you told them that living in Paris is actually hard? There's so many commodities that you're used to in Mexico and you move to France and you don't have them anymore. So we, we arrived to this party and this girl starts saying, oh my God, your life in Paris, so glamorous, your French boyfriend. And my sister's like, but did you know she doesn't have an oven or a microwave? And the girl's like, oh my God, shut up. Tell me about this. And so I started speaking about that. And my sister was just, was like, you should just own your, your life. Like they don't know what's going on. Leave it to a sibling to tell the world you're actually not fancy at all. I felt like she understood me. Like, I felt like uh, we were okay. 
I do feel sometimes that she resents me, like, for example, when I'm not there for the kid's birthday. That's really hard, but and I wish that I would be able to be there. I have a five-month-old niece that I still haven't met, and that's really hard. It's only right now that what she told me before getting married really resonates because now when I miss a birthday or now when I miss a special event, I, of course, remember her words and I and I feel super bad. But, you know, it's a risk that I decided to take at the time and 100% it changed my life, but I don't regret it at all. Anna is planning her next trip home for sometime in 2023. In the meantime, she and Maxime have moved to a new neighborhood in Paris. I think my Paris is now his Paris, like it's our Paris. It's amazing also because then we started going by arrondissement, which is like the different districts in Paris. Right now we're in a different uh, arrondissement and before that we were in another one. So each time we discover a new Paris. Through all the changes and the challenges of learning a new language and feeling so far away from family, one thing really hasn't changed for Anna. Well, two things. One is that connection she felt with her husband from day one. The other, it's her second love. And I choose every day to be in Paris. I love Paris. I feel a lot more free here. I don't know what it is. It's difficult, but I love being here, and it does give me a big sense of independence because I really chose exactly where I wanted to be, exactly who I wanted to be with, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's very liberating, this feeling. Thank you so much for sharing your story. No, thank you, really. It was a pleasure. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Caitlin Harrop and Scott Hellman. Cerise Marichaud recorded Anna's interview in Paris. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith and Maddie Mortel do our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ashanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Brian McGrory and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. And if you like the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts. And we're also an advice column. You can send us a letter to loveletters at boston.com or online at loveletters.show. At home, we, we only speak English because it's when you meet someone in a language, it's very difficult to change to another language. So we try to incorporate French and Spanish. That's why I mix them. And has his English gotten better? Yes, his English got a lot better because he uses it for work. And yeah, I'm very proud of him. His English is really good. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.